There he is. Is Jeff Peanut Butter really six twenty nine? I don't doubt it. I don't. We don't buy peanut butter. Well, I mean, sometimes. How do you but but my wife gets butter? fancy peanut butter. Like what's fancy peanut butter? You know, like uh, all natural. Like, like Smuckers. No. What? Smuckers is good. I don't know what they brand she gets. Natural. Oh come on, dude. I don't eat peanut butter. What? No. Butter is glorious. How can you not eat peanut butter? What? Nick, we've known Who's each other like talking? 30 years, and you don't know that I don't eat peanut butter? Come on now. I'm talking to. Do you have a peanut allergy? <laughs> you have something against big peanut industry? I have. There's this weird thing where I don't like peanut butter, uh, but I love I love Reese cups. When did this happen? It's it's been true my entire life. Oh my. God, hold hold on for just ten seconds because you're blowing my mind. <laughs> it's true. It's like uh, like I love grapes, but I hate grape flavored stuff. I'm I'm breaking out in a cold sweat now finding <laughs> out this revelation. What the hell is going on? I mean, up is down, down is up. What what the heck? Oh, it's funny that you say that. See, I knew, I had this feeling that I was going to manifest this episode exactly in the way that I wanted it to. And Nick, my friend, you are invited to join the Department of Truth because that is a secret code phrase. Now, you don't know what that means yet, but you'll find out because I guarantee you that everything we talk about on this episode is related. (gasps) Guaranteed. Wow. I guarantee it. Even big peanut industry? Uh, yes. Wow. Of course. I can't, of course. Wait. I can't even, wait to see how all this is tied together. Even big peanut yeah. is, uh, is tied into this. Uh, some of the yeah. listeners already know what I'm alluding to. In particular, Fred. Mm. But we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Because, uh, well, you know what? Let's not get there yet. What is that? There's like a fucking goddamn it. What is that? I don't. Uh, usually, you tease the listener a little bit. You're jumping right to the like. I'm, I'm going to tell you the end. The end of this story right now. At the yes. beginning, this episode plays You're out a like Christopher Nolan memento. As exactly. See, you read my mind. You see how this goes? It all interconnects. I, I already guess. knew this was going to happen. I come from the future. I come from the future. (laughs) Uh, I do need to trim my my mustache, though, man. My freaking, my my beard mustache is all up in my mouth. I hate that. Ew, that's the worst. Mm. Flavor saver? Gross. Mm. No good. That's why I got rid of facial hair. No, thank you. Well, I'm too lazy to shave, so. I hear you. I keep my beard. Besides, you don't like to support uh, the big razor blade companies. Oh, that's true, because I, I only purchase Harry's razors. Get yours today at harrys.com slash nerdylegion. <laughs> if you don't want to be a scruffy man, please use our razors at mm-hmm. harrysrazors.com. Mm-hmm. Our that's sandalwood right. cream, beautiful for your skin and your loved ones, will mm-hmm. thank you. In all, razors. in all areas of the body. Yes. Yes. Um, no, but everything will be related. But I do want to start off with a revelation that I had. 
Ooh, okay. A revelation. Man, can we fit all this into 60 minutes? I don't know. We'll find out. Let's go we'll quick. Find out. I had a revelation. Yeah. My wife, my wife purchased a Instapot Duo. What's a Duo? It is an Instapot, and then you can switch yeah. out the lid to an air fryer lid. Cool. So it is both an air fryer and the Instapot. Interesting. So it's a it's a three in one because it's also a pressure cooker. It is like a twenty in one oh. because it does the the pressure cooking, it does the steaming, it does the air frying, it does sous vide, it does broiling, wow. it does everything. Dang! For somebody who hates cooking, she bought a pretty kick ass gadget. Yeah, I don't know where this came from, but uh, we were that talking the other like day. That more of a Martin gift than right? a Mrs. Martin gift. Well, and it's good because you and I had talked about getting an Instapot because you, you guys got your air fryer. And I was like, I want an Instapot in an air fryer. But see, I manifested it into both into one. See, we're staying on theme on this episode. We're staying on I theme. Have, I have two gadgets where you have one gadget, which is uh-huh. great because guess what? Only one gadget can fit out on that counter. So That's guess right. where the other in the basement. Damn That's it. right. That's right. So, uh, so for for lunch, I made some plantain chips uh, in the air fryer, and I made some egg rolls in the air fryer. Dang. And nice. uh, and for dinner, we had some uh, sous vide chicken. It was delicious. It was the most tender chicken I've had in my entire life. That is one gadget I wish I. Well, I won't say that I wish I could afford. I wish I had space for, because mm. I would love to do some sous vide fun. Well, then what you need is an Instapot Duo. Buddy. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do? Throw, throw out two gadgets to buy a third? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but now, then you once, can sous vide. It's, it's true. Once it's cooked, are you still throwing it into a pan to brown it up a little bit? Well, I mean, that, that's yeah. what I've always heard is the drawback to sous vide, because it it isn't the prettiest looking thing, even though it's fully cooked. It just doesn't look great out of a bag. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks like a chicken died in a bag. Yeah, it's like military rations. Like, exactly. Ooh, that's I mean, not pretty. It, it tastes good, but it's not pretty. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's perfectly cooked, which yes. is phenomenal. But then they're always like, well, then you have to brown it or grill it or whatever you're going to do to it just to give it like, oh, now I can look at it. Right. It looks pretty. Right. But, Dang, but I'm jealous. But you only do that for like a minute or two, right? Because you don't do you don't do any oil. You just put it on the pan and bam, bam. Yeah, just to brown it a little. Yeah. Now yeah. is Mrs. Martin patting herself on the back constantly, like, man, I'm eating egg rolls this afternoon, and now I have some sous vide. Ch- man, what an <sighs> investment I made. I'm so good. Well, she uh, she wasn't a big fan of the egg rolls. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got these from this girl at work. Um, you didn't make your own? No, no, no. Apparently like she makes them and uh-huh. she's like, do you want me to bring you some? I was like, yeah, yeah. Bring me of like course. 20 of them. Dang. So she did. And, uh, and I thought they were delicious. And they, she, she gave me this little like gojujang, like spicy sauce, mm-hmm. uh, to dip them in. Uh, mm-hmm. they were banging. I uh, made my own egg rolls. Are they restaurant quality? No, but right. do I know everything that's being put in those? 
And guess what isn't being put in those uh, preservatives, additives, artificial flavors? Get out of here. Just For sure. All, all good stuff. Well, and my, my uh, wife is on the uh, sauce. That's the key. That's it, the sauce. That, yes. But boy, that, that air fryer crisps those things up so nice. Yes. Am I recording? I hope I'm recording. Uh, yeah, I'm recording. Cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the sauce did, does it. Although yeah. I had a guess. Uh, so, so I made some the other night because I made uh, I made some some fried rice, chicken fried rice, mm. um, and uh, and I fried up a couple egg rolls. But this mm. time I was like, let me try them on the air fryer, and uh, and they're still delicious. Got a little crunch on them, but I had a guess. I had a guess because I've never used an air fryer before. You know what I mean? So I did them at uh, 350, three minutes per side. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that worked out pretty good. At least for, for my egg rolls, uh, it's the toothpick that's the key. Mm. It holds everything together, which is really nice. Mine's more of a, like a spring roll, but still. Yeah, yeah, these these were more like spring rolls. Yeah, they're delightful. Yeah, they're very good. But, Man, uh, the last time when I – God, this must have been a couple decades ago. I was working at a printing company – and one of the guys that were there on the side, he would sell homemade tamales, mm. but he would only do it in like batches of 30 for whatever reason. Um, but around the holidays, around Christmas, he would offer the same tamales, you know, but it, of course he rotates out the meat product, um, but he would also offer the holiday sweet tamales. Ooh. Oh, but it's the best brick of food that you could have in that freezer. A big shoebox size of tamales stuck in your freezer, <laughs> and then you just pull out a few here and there. Oh, mama mia, they are so good. I, I, are you reading my mind? Because we also had tamales. It's all related. It, it like is. you said at the it beginning. Is. It, it is. Uh, we're manifesting it. The, the tamale mm-hmm. tulpas. So uh, nobody even knows what a tulpa is. I'll explain it later because it's going to come up again. Promise. Uh, my wife's gotten into so she, so we've started shopping at Harris Teeter. Thank God because you know I hate the WalMarts. Um, but uh, my wife is always doing the the grocery pickup at uh, at Walmart, mm-hmm. and uh, now she started shopping at Harris Teeter, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know anything about Harris Teeter. I've never been there in my life. Okay. But uh, now she is getting tamales Ooh. from Harris Teeter, and they were delicious. And this time she got some. She got these black bean ones, right? Ooh. And uh, and I thought to myself, oh. self, I don't know if I would want some black bean tamales, but uh, they were delicious. They were very sweet. Yourself was wrong. Yeah, myself was wrong. I think it it almost tasted like it had a little bit of mole in it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Are these tamales, they're not out of a box from a company. These are like made by the store. Uh, no, I don't know. They're not like old El Paso. No, they're not old El Paso. I mean, they're individually wrapped. Dude, I don't know. I never looked at them. I just... Take them out of the package and I, <laughs> I cook them up. But are but are they in like plastic? Is my point? Or yes. Is it something that like you get a scoop of potato salad from your no. deli? Section, no, 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 no. They're wrapped in plastic. Dang, I'm sure I won't. I sh- I'm sure I couldn't find those if I looked for them. Yeah, yeah, they're just wrapped in plastic. 
Um, I'll uh, I'll find the brand and I'll send it to you. But yes. I do want to make some homemade tamales. Ooh. I just don't know if I want to deal with it. Sounds like a fiddle. Every time I watch it on like Food Network or YouTube, I'm always like, I would love to do it, but God, does that sound like a fiddle and like a production line that you would need like you, your wife, two daughters, and your old Nana who's directing you to mm. like be able to do it all. Yeah. Yeah, that might be a chore for like uh, like a weekend day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like cook up a bunch of tamales and put them in the freezer? Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but, but they're like delicious. Sounds a thing for you to make and bring to C2E2. Ah, very good. In three years when you finally go back to C2E2. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it'll be this year because it's in fucking December. Hey, I, I can tell you right now. Don't expect me this year. <laughs> Hell no. I was talking to Glenn. He just went to the, what was it, North yeah, Carolina? S- SC Comic-Con. Yeah, SC Comic-Con. And I asked him about 50 questions. And they were made, they were, the majority of them were questions about what did you buy, who was there, that type of thing. But I did ask him, was there a big crowd? And was everyone socially distanced, masked up? And he said, like 90% of the people were masked up except for this was the bizarre thing except for security and cops. What? And I'm like, you mean the two, the two teams that would be telling people, Hey, put on your mask. They're not masked. <laughs> what the hell's going on in South Carolina? Uh, and, then, and then he said, Oh, and socially distant, completely non-existent. Yeah, for sure. And I was just like, and I get like people are so excited to be back at a con. I would be excited, but no way. No way am I doing that. No way. Yeah. Yeah. How can I I I trust all the unknowns? And then like, guess what? Even if I was to cut, like you went to the con and I didn't. And then at night I'm meeting up with you after you saw 300 people in one huge room. Now you want to deliver all that to me when i see you at night like oh my god like mm. that sent my hair on the back of my neck like up like no, i just with julie the cruise director i can't do it this year no way <laughs> scares the shit out of me <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see i'm uh i'm getting my second shot here in like two weeks same here so uh who, who knows yeah, who I knows mean, hey 50 of the u.s is already has at least one shot so oh, yeah that's good yeah, uh, CNBC just mentioned that tonight. Mm, I believe everything that's on TV. Oh, well, I'm just <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Like, I'm sure there's a huge pack of people that are not going to get one shot. So the people that got two shots, guess what? They're one of their shots is counted for one of the dum dums that are like, eh, herd human, herd immunity. I'll, I'm going to take advantage of that. Mm. Like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Who knows? North there. Who, Who hey, knows? Live your life. Go ahead. Okay. I agree. I agree. Do do whatever you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not here to yuck your yum. You enjoy it. Yeah. That's you know what? That's part of the theme for tonight's episode. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um I did uh I did watch New Mutants finally though. I saw that tweet. I'm very excited to hear what you thought. Yeah, I I mean I don't want to chime in until we talked about it on the show because you know Thank you. I don't want to spoil it for people. I appreciate the exclusive. You know what I mean? I can't spoil the episode on Twitter. 
I come here for the exclusives. Thank That's you. That's right. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was very good. You know what I wish? I wish <laughs> that this would have been an hour and 31 minutes of uh, of magic fighting the demon bear. Mm, interesting. Like, I don't need any backstory. Just have magic, just like cut shit in half with her sword for an hour and a half. That, that was a pretty special, like, seven minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, that was my favorite part. Well, you know, I love I love magic. Magic's my second favorite mutant of all time. Yeah. So, uh, it was very well done. What's her name? Anna Taylor-Joy? She's great. Perfect magic. She looks just like magic. <laughs> you are correct. You're not one, wrong. One might say it was magical. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Very good. <laughs> Um, there was there was a lot of Bilson Kevich in that. There there you certainly can, was. You can see why he was on set, and same with Claremont, sort of helping helping the teams. Yeah, there certainly was, and uh, and I know you already talked about the movie a little bit when you saw it, because you saw it like way long time ago, because you're a movie mm-hmm. hipster. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I knew not to expect this horror movie, which was still kind of disappointing, right? I think we, we may have touched upon this when when you talked about your watch of it. Uh, I still would have loved to see this be a little more of a horror flick, but uh, before it was, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it's not the first trailer, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I uh, I don't know if there's a post credit scene. I assume there is. I didn't get there. Ah. I ran out of time. Gotcha. Uh, but I would assume there is based on uh. The, the 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 company the corporation behind the experiments on the mutants <laughs> you know what i mean yep so uh i mean am I, is, is it too soon to spoil this movie no okay so it's the, on hbo for god's sake oh, well that's true people have had time to watch it that's true uh so does mrs sinister showed up in the post credit scene because that's what i want mm, interesting <laughs> Will there even be a sequel? I'm curious. I uh, doubt that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Doubt that. Unless but, uh, they shift to the small screen. Who the hell knows? Yeah, who knows? Give me a, give me a, a magic TV series with uh, Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Uh, again, no plot. I don't care about the plot. Just, like, have her cutting shit up in half. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that or, was cool. Going to limbo here and there? Yeah, yeah. Go to, go to limbo. Um, come back. Cut shit in half, go to limbo, cut more shit in half, come back. Uh, throw, throw more Lockheed in there. Yeah, I was going to say, what did you think of her dragon stuffed animal thing? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I it was, thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it's very well done. Um, and uh, I, I had no idea who, who Danny was, the, the actress. Blue Hunt? Yeah, same Never here. heard of her. Uh, looked her up because, you know, this movie was filmed like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh she's quite a hottie. I gotta tell you, <laughs> easy killer. Gotta tell you, uh, in the movie, like she's cute, right? But uh, but now, yowza, yowza. Uh, much props. So uh, yes, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that very much. And you know, this is the perfect segue. This is the perfect segue. Are you doing a Stranger Things segue? Because that's what I was going to do. No, no, no. This is the perfect segue. Because, uh, like I said, I predict this show will have a an underlying theme of sorts. 
And uh, and I know that I wanted to mention that. Uh, there's a comic that I read that I want to talk about. And I know that there is a uh, docu-series that uh, you want to talk about that I watched the first episode of. And, no, uh, I, it, thought, I thought your segue was going to be from the dude who is in New Mutants to the Stranger Things. Name? Yeah, to Stranger Things to the girl who is in Stranger Things who is now in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, interesting. I have not seen Godzilla vs. Kong. Can I give you my elevator speech for this? And of I don't course. care if I ruin it for anyone. Yeah. How much, okay, in any big monster film, especially new big monster film, what's the percentage of big monster on screen fighting or doing whatever to people talking heads? Like how much do I want or how much do I think how it much was? Do- Yes, how much would you predict? I mean, the- I predict it was 60% talking heads, 40% kaiju. I would say if you flipped that, oh, you'd probably be a lot closer. Oh. Every time the kaiju's on the screen, fantastic. Amazing. So good. Whenever there's talking heads... Like, if I was going to rate it, it'd be Talking Heads gets a 2 out of 10. Kaiju gets an 8 out of 10. Mm. But you get 60% Kaiju, so that would put it at, a, at about a 6 out of 10. Uh, I thought you were going to say a 7, and I was going to cancel this podcast. No, no. I wish it was that higher. <laughs> that much higher. Because there's some really stupid human interaction moments that can't be forgiven. They're mm. just... They're such placeholders. I'd rather like to see the people scream like in the black and white Godzilla films, just screaming from the monster as they run away from a person's putting down their foot Mm. in front of a car. You know, it's like, I'd really like to see that type of people screaming. No, there's so much talking in this film. Mm. Oh, just waste. And it's not like John C. Riley and Kong. Like he's entertaining. It's not that. Like, no one in this film is entertaining. <laughs> it is just mind-numbing dialogue. But the kaijus so make up for it. The action scenes are so freaking good and clever and interesting. It's just not enough of them. See, so- But I would still recommend it! Like, I recommended it to Aaron. Even with all these caveats, I'm like, you want to see kaiju? It's That part is really good. So just like a New Mutants movie should be 90% magic, oh, uh, no. 5% Lockheed and 5% everyone else, uh, a, a kaiju movie should be uh-huh. 90% kaiju and 10% talking heads. I would hope. And just, I mean, I, I just want the actors to be like we gotta take kong here and then he goes here and then there's like shenanigans that happen like i don't need them to try to figure out like what his motives are who is he like i don't care about that like come on just and billy bobby brown completely (laughs) wasted 
that, that's the Stranger Things connection. Uh-huh. Completely wasted on it. And there's there's a part like they take Kong to this one area, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but they have a reason why they want to take him there. And he is literally in this brand new area for at the most eight minutes, nine minutes. And then he's got to go to Tokyo. We got to go to Tokyo right now. Let's go. And then he's in Tokyo fighting. Of course. But it's like, dude, you just found, it's like putting Kong the way it looks. It's almost like they teleported Kong to Neptune. It's completely like, like it, it is like an area that you've never seen on the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden, eight minutes later, gotta go. <laughs> See ya. Mm. <laughs> it's like I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta be in Tokyo right now because there's a lot of neon in Tokyo. Gotta go. It just, so, uh, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, and I don't expect these movies to make sense. I don't expect them to like win Academy Awards. It, it is unplug your brain and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And the kaiju are very enjoyable. That is fantastic. But Mama Sita, and I even told Aaron, I'm like, if there's any way on your remote control that you could just fast forward until you see a big creature, I would highly recommend doing that. <laughs> like, just look at the, because the special effects and the action scenes are fantastic. Yeah. It's well, just, I mean, the first Kyle, one was like that. Kyle Chandler, he's wasted. That's yeah. like Friday Night Lights, dude. Completely wasted. <laughs> Yeah. Now let's I, uh, put it this way. They start off, Billy Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler, they're in like Louisiana because Godzilla appeared there and just this. wrecked this factory. Literally at the end of the film, Kyle Chandler spots Godzilla yet again. So him and his military people zip over to Tokyo. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you know who else is in Tokyo? Ahead of him, who? His daughter, Millie Bobby Brown, and he not <laughs> once was he like, "What the hell are you doing in Tokyo, girl?" <laughs> not once. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> it's so uh... insane. So insane. <laughs> but like I said before, I still would recommend that film because there's some good action scenes in it. It's really, really fun. Ooh. Mm. Excuse me. Uh, no, I look, that- I, I look forward to watching it. I got to watch it before uh, Mortal Kombat comes out. Yes, you do. I think you have one more week. And Mortal Kombat comes out in five days. There you go. Yep. So get in there. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to so, watch I'm gonna watch Godzilla tomorrow. Those trailers look fantastic mm-hmm. for Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. But comic books. Oh, yeah, and- I like comic books. And New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Where, how are you connecting those up? This is very, this is very, uh, a very good question. It's very simple because uh, you know people love when we talk comics on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they love when we talk all kinds of nonsense for some reason, but they love the comic talk stuff. Thanks. And uh, and you know, like for the past week, I, I mean, I've been reading comics. Yeah. But, like, nothing, like, jumped at me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing jumped at me. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, let me read this book, and, like, I'm done with it, and I'm blown away by it. Mm. Nothing. 
And I was like, well, shit, like, I'm recording with Nick tonight. We got to talk comics. And uh, I don't have any comics to talk about because none of them blew me away. Wow. Well, of course. Friend of the show, Fred, came to the rescue. Comics nice. Fred. Because uh, I got on Twitter just to see mm. what was happening, see what the news was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and Fred was talking about a comic that uh, that he was reading. And uh, so I chimed in. I was like, oh, I need to catch up on that book because I only read the first issue. And uh, and so I went back and uh, and I reread the first issue. And I was like, why, why, why have I stopped reading this? <laughs> why? Why? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I should not have stopped reading this. So I read uh, issue two. And then I read issue three. And then I read issue four and five and six. And I stopped Jeez. at six because the trade ends at six. Right. Mm, okay. um, but there are seven issues out. But I figured like six is a good stopping place, right? Yeah. And uh, and so I, I chimed back at Fred and I said, I'm such an idiot. I should have been reading this all along. Mm. Uh, and he said, yeah, you should have because it's totally up your alley. Um, and the thing is, shame on me. Right. Uh, what was it that, uh, that George Bush used to say? Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, never fool me again. Okay, that's what he used to say. Uh, I don't know if you remember that saying. Oh, yeah. Very famous saying. Put to that Who song. (laughs) (laughs) Won't be fooled again. (laughs) So, uh, but shame on me because Fred talks about it. Um, Dr. Joe talks about it. Uh, DJ talks about it. John talks about it right, on Brightside. It sounds like a lot of great people are a chiming of, in. With their a opinion. lot of great people are talking about this comic. Right. Why am I not reading this? Why aren't you? Well, guess Why what? Why haven't you told me the title of it? That's, guess that's also what the listener is wondering. Uh, because, see, because, see, this is the setup for this episode. <laughs> oh, this build-up? Oh, okay, go ahead. Proceed. Uh, the name of the comic is The Department of Truth. Have you heard of this book? That's an image book. It is an image book. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. You know well, me. I'm I'm always waiting for the trade, son. Well, fool you once. Shame on <gasps> you. Won't get fooled again. <laughs> uh, the trade is out. Uh, volume one is out, so you should pick it up. It is written by James Tinian IV. The first... Four issues. Yes. Uh, Detective fame, Batman fame. Great writer. Yeah. I love his stuff. He's good. Um, we like him. Friend the f- of the show. Friend of the show. The first four issues are uh, illustrated by Martin Simmons, who mm-hmm. I was not familiar with, but perfect for this fucking book. Yeah. Great first name. Uh, great first name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, or the first five issues. Did I say five issues? You said Whatever. four. Four issues. The first five issues are him. Okay. Uh, issue six is uh, drawn by Elisa Chiretier. Um She does a lot of indie stuff. She was like oh. in, in the first uh, wave of those uh, Comixology original books. Nice. Um, she's great, but her art style is not Martin Simmons' style. His okay. is very dark and scary. Uh-huh. And hers is kind of like cartoony. Um, but it fits this particular issue very well. 
uh, with colors by Matt Hollingsworth, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, uh-huh. that's good. That's, uh-huh. good. that's very good. That's good. And uh, is it all a continuing story? It is. Okay. Okay. Yes, all the issues are self-contained, but it is an ongoing story. Cool. Uh, issue seven just came out probably like a couple of weeks ago, I think, maybe last week. Uh, and I, I hope, even though I love Martin's art on that first arc, I hope he stays for this whole arc. Uh, issue seven, drawn by Tyler Boss, um, whom I love. Tyler Boss is fucking awesome. Sure. Well, where's um, Martin? Well, where is Martin? You're right. right. I'm right here. <laughs> I said I'm drawn. I'm, I'm drawn during this book. I'm uh, I'm gonna podcast about it. Right. Congrats. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Department of Truth. Uh, this is, and uh, here's where you'll finally understand the theme of this episode. Ooh, okay. uh, it is about uh, basically the um, 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 the meaning of truth. And uh, as Stephen Colbert says, truthiness. And it does so by diving into conspiracy theories. Ooh, I like that. And so this is kind of like, um, I see a lot of people comparing it to the X-Files. Ooh. Um, I I can see that. Um, I think it's a little more than that. It's, um, what was the name of that uh, Philip K. Dip book? Uh, The Adjustment Bureau. Uh, have you read that or seen the movie? Movie with I've, Matt Damon. I've read that, buddy. Okay, you read it. Good. So the oh, book dude. is a hundred and twenty thousand times better. Um, mm. But like the movie gets the gist of it, kind of. Yeah. Not really, but it gets the gist of it. Damon it's a fun watch. Yeah. But if you want the real story, read the book. Um, I would say it's more like Adjustment Bureau. If the Adjustment Bureau, like if you actually follow the Adjustment Bureau. Mm. Instead of like running away from the adjustment bureau. I yep. like it. Um so uh so each issue deals with a conspiracy. Uh the the head of the adjust of the department I almost said adjustment bureau of the Department of Truth is Lee Harvey Oswald. Whoa. Um, cool. and so in issue six you learn like well, I mean, you kind of learn how he gets involved in, in the beginning of issue one. But you hmm. get the backstory of like him joining in issue six. Okay. And uh, so he's the head of it, and uh, they, the department meets up with this guy Cole, uh, who's into conspiracy theories and has somehow become involved in one. Uh, like he he meets these guys that uh, they take him to Antarctica to the edge of the world to the you know because the world is flat. <laughs> uh, so they show him that the world is flat. And uh, they show him the uh, the ice wall at the end of the planet, because um, you know that's a thing, right? That's what the uh, flat earthers believe uh-huh. uh, that there's a, there's an ice wall at the end of the world, and you can't cross it. Interesting. So there's a giant ice wall. Uh, so <laughs> so they show him the ice wall, and then uh, he crash lands, and then the Department of Truth rescues him, and uh, brings him in. So he becomes an agent of the Department of Truth. And uh, he's got his own uh, his own interesting backstory that leads into issue two, which deals with the satanic panic uh, that, of course, leads into uh, pedophile rings and QAnon. Uh, you get stuff on crisis actors and uh, 
uh, birther conspiracies, you know, with Obama and uh-huh. uh, a little Jeffrey Epstein thrown in there. Uh, it's excellent. Dang. It's excellent. Uh, if uh, if there's a comic you should read, it's probably this one and Shadow Man. But you should be reading this book. I like it. Because uh, uh, it was fantastic. I like that type of stuff. I like going down those rabbit holes. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and here's the thing. Oftentimes, and I think I think this might be true, especially for like big two books, right? But a lot of times, you know, you read a comic and you're done in like five minutes. Oh, yeah. Right? And like that sucks. Mm-hmm. Right? You're like, okay, like, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was fun. Like, whatever. Good art. But, um, you know, I spent four bucks, five bucks on like mm-hmm. five minutes of entertainment. Um, you know, it took me like 15, 20 minutes to read each issue. Oh, boy. That, sound, that sounds like a, a 70s or 80s comic book. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not like there's a ton of dialogue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. In some regards, a lot more dialogue. There's more dialogue than than the average comic. How about that? Okay. Um, or at least more words, because not everything is dialogue. Sometimes it's um, like a narrator, like describing okay. something. Um. So there there are a lot of words, but did you read this in floppies? I uh, digital. But single issues. Yes. Was there back matter? No. I know it's image. I didn't know it because I know a lot of like Ruckus stuff. They'll put in a lot of back matter and like physical reading type stuff. Uh, I'll I can go back and look again, but I I don't remember seeing any. So how did it take fifteen minutes if there wasn't huge dialogue boxes? Because you have to very carefully analyze the pages you read it. Mm. Um, like there's a lot going on with the art. And oftentimes a lot going on with the words. And so it gets you, like, thinking about stuff. And if you read – I mean, granted, I read this, like, six issues back-to-back, right? So it might not necessarily be the case if you read them month-to-month. Gotcha. But but I would read it, and, like, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking about some of the stuff that's happening and how it relates to things that came up in previous issues, right? Mm. Um, cause like this, this main character, Cole guy, uh, when he gets embedded in this flat earth society, uh, that's like run by these like ultra rich millionaires. Um, of obviously not the case in real life. If you ever watch a documentary, uh, what was that called? We talked about it. It was good. Um, but anyways, the, uh, there's this like woman in a red dress. Mm, Kelly LeBrock. And uh, and she's always wearing these sunglasses. She looks like she's straight sure. out of like you know Mad Men. Sure, sure. Um, wearing these sunglasses, dark sunglasses. But later on, as you progress in the series, she takes the glasses off, and she's just got she's got no eyes. She's got black axes on her eyes. Whoa. Um, and so she pops up a couple times in in these first six issues. Um, there's uh, another recurring character, the Starface Man. Um, who was kind of like um, this, like I guess, kind of like a Satan type figure that showed up in the main character's dreams, and he's like eating babies. Oh boy! Yeah. Um, but uh, like, there's been other 
children that have seen this Starface man. So like he wants to see like what the hell is about, right? Because he saw the Starface man when he was a little kid, and he's still showing up to little kids. Is this like his version, their version of Slenderman? Um, you can say that in some ways, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but but the coolest thing, and and I haven't talked about this yet, is because it plays with like the concept of truth and what truth is. Uh-huh. Um, they dive into that concept in this conspiracy theory world, and so you know you know how I mentioned tulpas earlier. Um, so tulpas are basically like a physical manifestation of thought forms. Mm. Okay, and uh, there's like whole I, I don't know if it was on Reddit I think it was on 4chan there was like a whole like subreddit of people like doing uh, My Little Pony tulpas <laughs> like this wasn't on 8chan no, it might have been on 8chan I don't know um, but like manifesting these things and uh, and so it's part of like the, the magic with a K kind of thing right where like right. thoughts become reality and and so that becomes like a central premise in this book because there's like there's different like secret societies battling not like battling you know I mean I guess sometimes they like kill each other but for the most part it's all like very covert right um secret societies battling for control of of reality right and you so you know what you're describing yeah and where I thought you were going to be going with this, but now I'm just going to say this book uh-huh. sounds like the lost writing of Grant Morrison. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds so right that like if that's the pocket that you that you've been missing from Grant Morrison, that this might be right up your alley. You're you're correct. You're correct. Oh. Um. So so the secret societies like battle for control of reality. And like and the thing is like, and they mentioned this specifically, like if you get enough people to believe in something, then it becomes true. Yeah. Okay. And so we're gonna talk about. See, you see how you see how this is the theme tonight, Nick. You get it. You're good. You get it. You linked everything up. You get it because you drew, you drew dot to dot to dot. Because that is one of the themes in New Mutants. Yes. Right. Because the whole time. The stuff is happening, but it's not really happening. Like Danny is manifesting all the stuff to happen um, to herself, She's building everything into existence. Correct uh, to herself and you know to her team. Um, like she's the one that got her dad killed by manifesting a demon bear. Um, all the stuff. This is like one of the themes in this book. And so the Department of Truth is basically uh, their their mission. Is to curtail conspiracy theories, because if a conspiracy theory catches on, um, then whatever that conspiracy is becomes the truth. So they aren't debunking anything. They're just trying to remove it from public eye. Right. They're not debunking anything because in this in this comic universe, everything is true. Wow. That's Just cool. the the level of manifestation is what makes it actually true, right? So it's so it's a blue pill red pill thing. It's a blue pill red pill. Uh, see, see, you get the theme now because we're gonna talk yeah. about that with this next thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I will read that next next month. I will read that. You you one hundred percent need to. Um, yeah. 
I I loved issue six. Uh, mm-hmm. is, issue six takes place in the year one thousand. Okay. Uh, and uh, and this is when the art changes, and this is why I said that it, it worked perfectly for the the story change. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes place in the year one thousand, and and talks about one of my favorite and most underrated and unheard of conspiracy theories of all time. Um, but it's like the start of the whole thing. Okay. And all modern conspiracy theories kind of, in some way you can say you can trace back to this conspiracy theory. Uh, but it goes back to the year 1000, um, because Lee Harvey Oswald, when he first joins the department, the guy that's in charge is like, you know, as far as the world knows, you're dead. So like, (laughs) uh, start learning shit. Because like you're stuck yeah. with us now, right? You can't go back to your life, right? Um, and so he gives him this book written by a a Dominican monk in the year 1000, mm. and he opens it up. He's like, "But it's in fucking Latin," and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, here, read this book." And it's like, you know, learn Latin. <laughs> 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 so he has to teach himself Latin so that he can read this book uh, wow. that's written in Latin. Uh, but it's basically like this monk's travels, and I hope that like if the series goes very long term, they keep coming back to this monk because I think this could be really interesting, like as a like a backstory for the world of Department of Truth. Um, but you you meet this monk and he goes, I can't remember where it is, but he's like on travels and he's looking for this like witch, right? This this pagan. Uh, well, which <laughs> uh, and she's living in the woods and uh, she she's like, I know why you're here. He's like, I'm just here to like see what's up. She's like, no, I know like why the church sent you. And he's like, well, you know, I hear stories about you. Like people say you're, you know, 500 years old or whatever. And so they're going back and forth on this stuff. Um, and it's all like, you know, it feels like foreplay kind of. Right. Mm. Um but then you learn the truth, and the truth is um, that even though this woman isn't 500 years old, she kind of is, hmm. uh, because the conspiracy here uh, involves uh, a very powerful tool to uh, to rearrange history, um, because you know this would have been after the fall of the Roman Empire and stuff, right? And so you have the the rise of Islam, and uh, you know Muslims are kind of beginning to take over like North Africa and uh, large chunks of Europe. Right. Um, by this point, they're already like basically took over Spain, for example. Um, and so the church is concerned that uh, if they don't find a way to stop Muslims from invading European countries, then there won't be a church anymore. Right. Everyone in Europe is going to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so they devised this plan uh, with the 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 Holy Roman Emperor uh, Otto Otto the first, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, German, I believe, um, but they place him in charge, and together with him, they devise this like secret plan. And how how do they do this? Is they they create the the modern calendar. Okay, now everyone learns in school that when they change the calendar. Um, the dates shifted a little bit, right? Um, like for example, we I think we lost ten days or gained ten days. I can't remember exactly what it is. Uh, but it's all to account for like uh for lunar cycles and uh, leap years and all that stuff, right? 
Mm. Um, and so when they implemented this new calendar, they backdated all the dates um, back to the year zero or the year one, excuse me, back to the year one based on the new calendar. Okay. So all the dates shifted by a, a couple days. Uh, well, the conspiracy theory is that that's not what happened. What actually happened was is that they moved the calendar forward um, 300 years. And by moving the calendar forward 300 years, they they created this like magical, mystical, like super holy Roman emperor in Charlemagne. Like the conspiracy theory is that Charlemagne never existed, that the church kind of made him up to show the Muslim world that like they had this like super powered emperor, basically, um, and that he was kind of kind of come back in the form of Otto, the the emperor at the time, um, who had a very small empire. And hmm. uh, and so that's the conspiracy. And so you know, this woman and the, and the monk are talking and she like kind of tells him this whole story. And uh, he acts like, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, she's like, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just tell your, your masters that... Uh, that we see everything and that we're watching um, because we're the enlightened ones. And then the monk like comes in from behind her and cuts her head off. Um, so he was sent there to stop her because she came from, uh, from a Royal bloodline of Roman emperors uh, who knew the, who still kept their dating on, on their family history through the Roman calendars. And so they knew that there was 300 years missing. And so the church was finding all these people and getting rid of them so that they could sell this lie of, of this new calendar in, in Charlemagne, right? Um, it's really interesting. That, that whole theory is very convoluted. I know it probably didn't make as much sense when I talked about it. Um, it's kind of convoluted. But, but I loved it because I knew about it, and I don't ever hear anybody talk about this conspiracy theory. And, uh, and it was perfect. So, yeah, I, I really loved it. Uh, of course, the Enlightened being the Illuminati, right? So you know, now you have this setup of, like, the Illuminati versus, like, the, the government, the, the military-industrial complex. Um, you have uh, various other secret societies, like the Masons and stuff, um, rich, like, powerful people creating secret societies. It's all intertwined in this world. And they're all basically just fighting for control of, like, thought. What do people think? Um, and you know, I'm very interested in that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. It sounds, uh, some of the setup bits, especially around that, that issue specifically, the way you describe, the way you're describing it, it sort of reminds me of how, uh, Mignola would take bits and pieces of history and folklore and weave it into his characters being part of that history or folklore you in see, some way. You see what I mean? You, sir, are a master narrator because this is the segue into, into this docuseries. Ooh. Um, because really what this is like, and, and this comes up in the docuseries if I'm not mistaken, um, what this is like is uh, is LARPing, live action role playing games. Mm, okay. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, uh, I guess, a couple months ago, 
when uh, when I was talking about that White Wolf documentary uh, with with Vampire the Masquerade. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and uh, and what I found really interesting is that you know reality has become so distorted for so many people that it's almost like everyone is living their life as if it was an RPG. Oh. Okay. Uh, let me rephrase. Maybe not everyone, because some people still like have normal lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there does seem to be an ever-growing larger segment of the population um, that is living a real-life RPG. Because they don't know what to believe anymore, and they just kind of hold on to a certain story and play that story out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so Nick, I hope that was a good enough segue for you to introduce our next topic. It's strange that you mentioned LARPing, because have you ever seen the documentary Monster Camp? No. It's it's sort of like a glimpse into like the real life of World of Warcraft. <gasps> like gamer stereotypes, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, the director of that, Colin Holbach, uh-huh. his his new documentary series is uh, Cue Into the Storm. Oh, that's the same that's, guy. It's the same guy. Interesting. Yeah, and it's produced by Adam McKay, who, if you've been following Adam McKay, it's amazing that a comedian becomes a director and writer and all of a sudden takes his passions, which obviously are like political type stuff and branches into, cause he produced Q into the storm. And he also did the big short, mm-hmm. which it's like, my God, that guy, it, it, as soon He's as, on as, it. Soon, yeah, as soon as he finds his passion, it's like, man, he is hitting home runs left and right. Mm. But this, uh, HBO documentary series, I finally wrapped it up at six episodes and it's all about the creation of QAnon. Yes. Or Q, I guess. Um, and granted, the last couple of years, like, you couldn't escape QAnon. Mm-hmm. But to see how it built from 4chan to 8chan, uh, you know, it's like, it's fascinating how Holback, and I think I described it to you, and I hope you saw it in the first episode that you saw. Um, it's fascinating when a filmmaker or a documentarian becomes part of the film, mm. which I can I can appreciate, but I think that also sort of colors their perspective a little bit. It's yeah. hard. It's not like um, Errol Morris documentaries where he completely steps back from it and detaches himself from it. Like Holback will pretty much interviewed everybody. He was on camera quite a bit. Um, not that he became part of this story, but he was there for a lot of it, including like the people that are walking up to the Trump rally before the like, let's break into the white house movement, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was fascinating that like, holy shit, he was there. Um, (laughs) but the great thing, the reason I brought that up is I like when documentarians have a real style and sort of stick to it. And Holbeck reminds me of 
the director who did the Harvey Weinstein Hulu documentary, which was very good, very, very good. But that director connects up dates and times and where Weinstein is and his interaction with these starlets or and pieces that together instead of like making it into a story like the story is the facts and figures and the connections mm-hmm. and Holbach's really good with showing timelines and showing, okay, this person said this on this date. And then this happened to this moderator on this date. And this is how something has changed. Like it's really fat. And he makes it very clear. And even though it's six episodes, like you sort of forget people from the first two episodes when you're on episode five or six, but he brings it back to remember this person, they were here. And now all of a sudden here's this new person who was introduced, but, but we didn't introduce him in episode two. Now we're introducing him in episode five. Cause now this makes sense. Uh-huh. And it, and it makes these line of connections crystal clear. Like the first couple episodes are are pretty dry and pretty like history intensive. Yep. Yep. And I'm not going to say you got to trudge through those because at no point was anything a trudge. Nope. But holy Christ was the last three episodes. Like I couldn't hit the continue button quick enough (laughs) because I just wanted to see what the hell, like how is he going to wrap this up? I want to know who Q was. I want to know who was this mastermind. I want answers to this type of stuff. And let me tell you, I'm not going to spoil anything, whether or not he finds this person, finds out this person's identity or not. Mm -hmm. But everything Holbeck, the director, lines up, everything pays off in completely bizarre circumstances, whether he has to become part of like helping people out or it's almost like a documentary on gambling, Mm. like literally like hold back towards the end episodes. We'll do flashbacks to the first couple episodes to be like, let me prove my point with this person's exact dialogue and it and it like traps him or traps them in like, well, remember he said this, and now he's pretending like he didn't say this. Mm. So he might not call that person a liar, but by showing that, it's like, oh well, that person's full of shit. <laughs> like it completely brings the viewer into like becoming a detective and figuring out this stuff. There's so many light bulb moments in it. It's fascinating, but to see how these people read into all of these Q posts and they, and he showed it for the first episode that you watched. It's amazing how indoctrinated, how quickly people can become indoctrinated into instead of like believing that this Q has all of these deep connections in the government and everything that this person says, he or she says, obviously this is what they're meaning. Like they're, they're projecting into like this person predicting the future mm-hmm. or knowing something from this deep Intel secret society person that like, Oh, they just dribbled this out. So this cryptic couple sentences, we're going to 
figure this out and interpret this. And all of a sudden, like we've discussed this before, like how many political candidates or governmental candidates will spout off insane stuff that mainstream media will pick up and run with. And yet in today's society, they can just run with this stuff. And if they're wrong about it, there's never a retraction or if there is a retraction, it's so buried that a lot of people might believe that that was the truth Mm -hmm. because they've never seen another side to that. So why, if there's not another side, then obviously that's truth. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they delve into it pretty good. Like I can see, that's why I love document documentaries about like cults. Mm-hmm. And the good documentaries won't make it like, I wish I could be part of that cult. But at least in your head, you should be able to see their point of view and be like, I can sort of see why that person went into that cult because of X, Y, Z. And it's very similar in this documentary. It was really, really fascinating for me. And I've been, I finished it like three days ago and it hasn't left my head. Interesting. Yeah. So I have only seen the first episode. They're uh they're about an hour a hour piece each episode. Yeah, like fifty minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I've only seen the first episode. So I kind of got the the brief history slash overview mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Uh, but I am very familiar with the movement. Oh yeah. Um, my uh my neighbor across the street, fake wife. He's uh he's a Q guy. Um. He uh he was very sad that JFK Jr. didn't come back to life. Uh, we'll we'll talk uh, about that. Uh, so I, I hope how many, how many people did he say that uh, drank baby's blood and <laughs> ate babies? How many people did he predict that that, uh, that was? Uh, look, I don't know because I don't talk to the guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know he he used to fly his his Q flag. Sure. Um, and he had uh, some other flag. I can't remember what it stands for. Uh, the one with the snake, the, the yellow one with the snake. Don't tread on me. Uh, yeah, 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 that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know his his personal feelings, but uh, you know, I can gauge from what I understand about the movement. Um, and uh, you know, I, here's the thing: I this this podcast brings people together. I would we, hope we 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 don't uh, we don't uh, make fun of people. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe everyone's entitled to their own beliefs, um, and I, I know for a fact that we have listeners that are into Q. Um, so I just want to make it clear that I'm not knocking on the whole Q thing. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm very familiar with this through my other podcast because in my other podcast I talk about more esoteric things, right? Mm-hmm. And and for some reason. Those kind of topics oftentimes tend to attract certain segments of the population um, that um, have some interesting ideas. Um, And I'm putting interesting in quotes Uh uh because, uh, you know, everyone's kind of looking for some kind of truth and meaning. And, uh, and, And people find meaning in the strangest places sometimes. Uh, and I'm not saying that I haven't either, because I mean I've got some crazy stories to tell. Um, but uh, but 
but I also am able to kind of step back and analyze those things, right? And I think that's that's kind of what's important. Um, and you know, judging from what I saw of this first episode uh, and what I've seen from people online, again, this might not relate to you specifically, uh, but from what I've seen, uh, people just really like what I believe in stuff, right? Like people want things to be right and to be good. Um, and you know, for me at least. Um, I think that's just too simplistic of you, right? Um, is, is there stuff like going on that we don't know about? Like, yeah, of course there is, right? Like, it's called state secrets for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, because uh, you know, if the government told us everything, then that means that our enemies would know everything, right? So they would know what we have and what we don't have. But you um, can also head down that well of when Q is posting this gigantic paragraph of one-liners and then all of a sudden one of his lines is said by a government official mm-hmm. how can you not be like what like that well, would, right. that would raise questions instantly if that's you know part of your belief system you're you're how absolutely that, right that not? you're you're right but, but to my point is well how many posts did he did he throw out all these one-liners and none of it hit. Well, and, like, and that's the thing that just is sort of forgotten. That's uh, that's that's kind of hinted at in the first episode. Again, yeah. I, I, once I watch it, I hope that they bring it back up mm-hmm. uh, when I watch the rest. But uh, but it does come up in the first episode. And and you're right, right? Because you know I've seen the key posts. Mm-hmm. Um, they can mean whatever the fuck you want. Right. You know what I mean? Um, no offense if you're a Christian. Um, the Bible can mean whatever the hell you want to. Yeah. Right. If that wasn't the case, then you wouldn't have you know hundreds or thousands of different groups practicing quoting, and preaching slightly different things. Quoting passages and saying that this is well, this obviously is about gun law. Right. This is about gun law or, about or like or about gay rights, and it's like no, I don't think so. This is just one passage, like. Yes, you can yes. you can read into anything you want to read into. Feel free. 100%. So, so to me, the Q posts are more like um like palm readings or horoscopes, fortune cookies. Uh fortune cookies. Um what's that guy John Edwards? Ah, yeah. Remember John Edwards? Well, he's real. Well, he's There's- real. There is a TV show about him. He's got to be real. Yeah, he's a real person. Uh, but the stuff he says it involves a lot more than um, like prophecy or oracle or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's watching things very carefully and making extremely good judgment calls on what to say. Right. Right. Um. So we're having a good analytical uh, program that you're running on your computer that might actually give you like this is going this way. So you can be ahead of the curve in some way. One hundred percent. Right. And that's, of course, you know, tangentially related to Q, um, Uh but it's definitely in the conspiracy realm um, where like, you know, when AI pops up. Can you have like an AI smart enough to begin determining outcomes of situations before they happen? 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, my belief is, of course, now it might not be 100%, but it could get pretty close as you get more and more data, right? Um, okay. You have the, the old adage that's, uh, you know, if you knew like the trajectory of everything in the universe, um, you could figure out where anything is or was at any point in time uh, in the past, present, or future, right? It's like, uh, you know, when you play pool, you're like, you're guessing the trajectory of the balls. Um, when you become an experienced pool player, you can get much better at predicting the trajectory, right? And so you uh-huh. become a better pool player and you you get more balls in the pocket. Uh-huh. Uh, the same is true in real life. Um, and so that's why when, when I see the cute posts, I'm like, they don't say anything, right? Like they don't say anything. But of course, if you have a specific point of view of how the world works, you read that into what you're reading from the Q post or from anything, from the Bible, the Quran, the you know, the, the Bhagavad Gita, any, any book. Um, yeah, but because but you want that thing to saying, be true. But instead of saying anything, like you said, somebody who believes it, it's saying everything. Of course. Yes. Right, of course. Called yes. confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Right? You believe what you believe, and so anything that you read will be proof of that thing, and whatever goes counter to what you believe will be part of the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is not just Q. This is just anything that you believe. This is how belief systems work. Um, and this is why everyone should read Department of Truth. Bam! Where's my bell? Um, but yeah, I, I thought the first episode was fascinating. Um, yeah, did it draw you in enough? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, good. Um, I've always had uh, two people in mind for Q. Um, they both show up in the first episode. Oh, wow. So, yeah. You mean the identity of Q? Yes, the identity of Q. I'd like to maybe after the episode, I'd like to hear who these names are. I mean, I can tell you now. Okay, I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, no, okay. I can tell you now. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, so for me, I'll let them... you know if if it gets debunked or addressed. How about not debunked? If it gets addressed towards the end. Okay. Cool. Um. So the one guy that I've always felt strongly about. Um, is the guy in the wheelchair. I think he was he the one that ran 4chan or 8chan, one of those two? He created 4chan okay. and then it was bought. There you go. Uh the guy in the wheelchair. Yes. Um and then the other one uh I'm I'm just going to the simple answer would be Donald Trump. Okay? Um but I think it's a little more uh, convoluted than that. So you think it's Frederick ba- Brennan in the wheelchair or Trump? Not Trump directly, mm-hmm. um, but kind of like um, I don't want to say like a, a PR or marketing agency, but mm. something akin to that. Mm. Okay, yeah, because we all know Trump is very social media savvy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, he's he's not on like regular social media anymore. I'm sure there's some platform that he's on. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. But uh, but he's he's very social media savvy, and uh, um, 
you know, if you if you start looking at, um, for example, what was that company? Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they came into the spotlight because um, they were being accused of kind of um, guiding elections yes. and uh, and guiding legislature across the world mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. based on analyzing user data, right? And and targeting mm-hmm. people that way. Um, you know, it started slightly before that. Um, like Obama was really fucking good at playing the social media game. And and I think companies like Cambridge Analytica took side of that and used some of those techniques uh, in their own practices. Uh, again, this is whether you're pro or against Obama means nothing to me. Um, but there is a very strong argument that his election came about because he was so social media savvy uh, and he was able to pull in people and and it set a precedent for the future um, where if you want to be elected somewhere, you no longer need to be just like a good, a good looking, you know, a good looking guy with a, a nice looking family and a kid and the dog that you bring to the white house. Um, there's other factors that play in that can get you elected. Um, and, and I think, Trump and other politicians are very much aware of that, and the ones that will make it big in the long term, uh, either have long political careers or actually make it to the White House, will be people that know how to play the social media game. Um, And the keyword being game, because this is all a fucking RPG. Um, And, you know, I don't want to get conspiratorial, and I'm not going to, Um. You know, the Department of Truth is a comic book, but there are some very interesting philosophical commentaries in that book um, that I think very much apply to real life, uh, just told in this kind of sci-fi way. Um, and, uh, you know, this it's not a new thing, okay? Uh, there's, there's, a little, there's a little hint, there's a little Easter egg in the Department of Truth Um in issue five, when Lee Harvey Oswald, or in issue six, when Lee Harvey Oswald is studying in the library at the Department of Truth, and uh, they're talking about where all these books came from, right? Because the, this library holds like the real history of the world. Um, now, of course, some of these things change over time as beliefs like overtake truth, right? And those beliefs become the truth, uh, mm-hmm. but there is still an underlying truth behind it. And so the truth can be reset at any point if you have enough people believing in that thing to be true. Um, and, and I think in, in many respects, this whole Q thing, um, that whole movement, and then, of course, the, the opposing movement in, uh, you know, like Black Lives Matter and, and things like that, um, it, it's all a matter of being able to control a narrative and sell it enough where that becomes true, okay? Whether it's a whether it's a left thing or a right thing, I could care less because to me it's all bullshit. Um, Can I adjacent off of that? Yes, yes, because I was about to go into a, a related tangent on, on Department of Truth. Go ahead. Because it's about um, going back to Q. Did you, and it's even addressed in, towards the end, um, it's even addressed within the documentary. 
did you ever see another HBO documentary series, um, Agents of Chaos? Yes. Okay, uh, because that's around how Russia influenced uh, the election of Trump. Nick. Fascinating, fascinating documentary. See, you're reading my mind. And my mind. that direct that director, Alex Gibney, he also did Dirty Money, mm-hmm. as well as Citizen K. Um, Innocence Files and the Enron documentary. Mm. So he definitely, I mean, he's Dang. pretty prestigious as well as the Kid Dynamite, the James Brown documentary, which was pretty good. Not not as good as it should have been, but pretty good. Um, but my point is he, he knows politics pretty well. And it was fascinating that those two Venn diagrams actually interconnected within Q into the storm mm-hmm. really, really well to see how everything sort of is interconnected there. And it all sort of makes sense that the brand messaging is both uh, pretty, pretty intertwined. It's this, yeah. the snake chasing its tail type of thing. Yeah. So, so to go back to my point, so this comes up in, in that library scene um, because Lee Harvey Oswald walks by a certain bookshelf and it's labeled um, something to the effect of like material gathered from the Ministry of Lies, mm-hmm. um, which I hope in the comic book there is like an actual Ministry of Lies because that'd be awesome to battle the Department of Truth. Uh, but uh, but that's based on the Department of Truth in Russia, in Soviet Russia. Um, mm. And I think this is kind of one of the, the connections between the whole episode, really. Uh, and, I, and I've talked about this before. Um, you know, in in a place like Soviet Russia, and I mean, you can argue even now, now right? Even though they're technically democratic, quote unquote, um, they're still very much in this like Soviet mentality, um, the the communist mentality, and um, they they actually had a, a ministry of truth, right? Because in in a society where everything's controlled by the government. You have to have a place that controls what people are allowed to believe to be true or not, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and exactly. And so, Russia has, you know, eighty years of of studying this stuff. Um, they they basically created propaganda uh, in in the early twentieth century because you kind of have to, right? You need to sell the dream. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of the, a lot of the psychology behind, uh, you know, like why you buy certain products, um, or like why websites are like use certain colors or why they place things in the place that they place them. Um, or even like when you go to the supermarket, right? You have to walk through the whole store to get to the milk. Why is that? Everyone needs milk and bread. So you put them in the back of the store, so they have to walk through the whole store and go through all the shit they don't want, but they might pick up because they're walking past it to right. get to the milk and bread, right? Uh, and so Russia like pioneered a lot of these techniques um, because they needed to in order to sell the propaganda of this communist dream. Uh, and of course, you know, regardless of what anyone tells you of how uh, communism is, I mean, I guess you don't see this as much anymore. Uh, maybe in some circles, but you know, like uh, when you had McCarthy and all that, it was it was huge, right? That the the communist 
are taking over, right? The, the Red Scare. Um, regardless of what you think, there really isn't much difference in the way that um, things ultimately function in the background between a, a communist slash socialist state and a, a hyper-capitalistic state like what we have. Um, because the ultimately the point is still the same. You want people to believe a certain narrative so you can continue propagating your system. Um, you know, for us, the system is buy more things, right? For Russia mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, Mother Russia takes care of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the ultimate goal. And, and so this is true for Q. Uh, you know, there's satanic, uh, rich satanic elite, you know, eating babies, um, and, and worshiping Satan, uh, and that's how they get their power to uh, take over the world. And so we're gonna be the good guys and uh, and take down the the pedophile baby eating people, um, mm-hmm. just like Americans are the good guys and they take down the Russians and the Chinese and the Russians are the good guys, so they take down the Nazis and the Japanese, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the, the narrative is always the same, and I, I always wonder how how it is that we as a species have survived for as long as we have, when <laughs> when the at the core of our very existence, the same thing is played out every single fucking time, right? Uh, what what's the saying in uh, in Battlestar Galactica? This has happened before, and it will happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't be any truer. Right. Um, Just because the people change and the systems change and the people in power change means absolutely nothing. The point is always the same. I'm a good guy and you're a bad guy. So we're going to fight. Okay, it's always the same. It's like we're fucking monkeys in a jungle. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) Except with very high tech weapons and we can yell at each other in in bad words um, and and write mean things to each other on Twitter. Um, But it's still the same fucking mentality. Uh, and, and I don't understand how so many people still buy into any of this. Uh, and again, this is not like a criticism on Q or any conspiracy theory. Uh, this is a criticism on people in general because it happens <laughs> everywhere, whether you're on the left or on the right or e- even in the middle. Everyone's right? fucking stupid. I don't get it. Um, but uh, yeah, this this documentary I thought was fantastic. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I thought, very much I look forward to watching be... the rest of it. I thought you'd be on the Steve Bannon school. Oh, no That's, way. I thought you would be landed. No, not, a, not even close. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that one of the theories? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Uh, I don't they buy it, but it's interesting. a lot of cool theories. And yeah. it's really interesting to be like, well, Q posted at this time, but Steve Bannon was over here, and this person was here, and that person was over here. But it's it's just it's interesting how things get disproven as well as like hyped up to be like oh it could be that person oh that makes sense okay yeah 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 and and we'll probably never know right um but oh, uh, yeah. oh oh do we know there's like I said there's payoffs for everything oh interesting mm-hmm. interesting very interesting mm-hmm. um. I uh I found I find the whole uh, LARPing phenomenon like super fascinating, mm-hmm. um like super super fascinating. Um, is that right up there with uh 
music group tribute groups where it goes beyond we're going to play this in concert goes beyond like, well, I'm just going to dress and act like Axl Rose 24 seven pal. No, you know what it is? It's like, uh, it's like air guitar competitions. Oh, it's like air guitar competitions because everyone's pretending to be like, uh, you know, the, the proponent of truth. They have, they, listen, let me tell you something. If some douchebag on YouTube uh, can figure out these conspiracy theories to such length with so much proof. You mean these Q-tubers? Yeah, the that Q-tubers. Was the first, that was the first time I ever heard that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, my Lord. But I, you know what I did? And I'm sure you did this as well. I'm watching it with Julie, the cruise director. Oh. 40 minutes into the first episode, I was like, no one's making money off this movement. <laughs> How is that not possible? And then all of a sudden I see all these Q tubers, uh-huh. all these people wearing all of this Q merchandise. And I'm like, somebody's making some money off this. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, come on. There's a business here and somebody is very profitable. Well, they had that couple that they both quit their job to be Q tubers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but can I can I ruin one thing for you regarding QTubers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't tell you who, but I think it was episode four. One of them, uh, YouTube kicks off, uh, closes down their channel, mm-hmm. and that person uh, flipped the f out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, does. Do they believe that, or is that an income revenue stream that all of a sudden went from whatever it was down to zero? Right. So how much are you really behind this message when all that money gets removed from you? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yep. Uh, um, all I'm going to say is, if, uh, if, if this this applies for all conspiracies, by the way, okay? Um, not, just, uh, not just Q. Mm-hmm. It applies to all of them. Um, but, but if some, some guy in his basement, in his mom's basement, um, or, or on, on YouTube or, or QTube or anywhere else, uh, can, can find, can connect all the dots and provide all this proof, Mm. um, that to me shows me, um, that whoever is actually carrying out the conspiracy, right? Whether it be, uh, reptilians or, uh, pedophile, whatever's. Um, aliens and anything else. Uh, those people are doing a fucking terrible job. You know what I mean? The people. Can I? Can I make my statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nerdy legionnaires. I my statement is, I love all conspiracies. Oh, me too. They're all awesome. Uh, they're some of them are completely heinous, but they're still awesome because they're crazy. Uh, I love the facts that you dredge up. I love, like Martin said, I love the point-to-point solutions. I love how you dig in and try to figure out all this. Uh, If you directed all of this, all of these point-to-point solutions, and you directed all of this, I'm pretty sure we would have solved the Hillside Strangler case by now. (laughs) And all of these and unknown mysteries, that television series would be no more. No more. Um, 
but we love you and we love to educate ourselves and thank God for James Tinian and his wonderful comic <laughs> book that you did. Thank you. Department of Truth. Go read it. This episode brought to you by the Department of Truth. Get your copy today with offer code NERDLEGION to get one free Q drop on your Twitter account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, anyways. <laughs> I hope you continue watching it. Uh, oh, I sure, I sure will. Yeah, I'm going to finish it this week. It's pretty – it goes places. It's fascinating. Um, it's interesting to see how fake news media is portrayed. Mm. Um, but there definitely is solutions, and he doesn't give concrete – could could this documentary show up in a court of law and a lawyer be like, that's the solution. You've shown the evidence. Absolutely, it's been proven. No. But does he give you some really good educated guesses as well as, well as reveals? Yes. Mm. Yes, he does. Mm. It's pretty... It's pretty damn the answers that you're looking for, not just that he woke up in a dream or it could, (laughs) you know, who murdered Betsy? It could have been any one of these four people. No, you pretty much figure out like, oh, that person did that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's a good ride. It's a good ride. Uh, And let me let me re reiterate uh, you are you are free to believe whatever you want. <laughs> so don't don't take this as like an attack on your belief system. Uh, I I happen to believe some crazy shit. You're allowed to believe whatever crazy shit you want. Yeah. So uh, the the point is, uh, we can talk about it and laugh about it. You know what I mean? You want to believe in Q or anything else? Cool. You want to think that uh, Trump is the the reincarnation of Jesus? That's fine by me too, man. I don't care. Like that's your belief system. You know what I mean? It's um, one of those things. If we don't believe in like, like little voodoo dolls, we might say we don't believe in it. But you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna avoid voodoo dolls because we don't want anyone <laughs> sticking a pin in in them that are that are us. No. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's like uh, that's the the core of agnosia, right? Um, you you believe in God just in case. Right. Because like you don't know. But what if you die and you go to hell because you don't believe. Right. You don't want that. So you believe right. just in case. Yeah. I, I, you know what I believe in? I'll believe in science. Uh, eh, Sometimes. Uh, you know what I believe in? I believe uh, that this new uh, Moon Knight comic looks awesome. Uh, and if they ruin it, I will burn all my Marvel comics. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> that could be, huh? Yeah, um, I don't know if you'll burn all your Marvel comics. Yeah, probably you not. Got some good ones. I do have some good ones. Uh, probably not. But uh, but the new Marvel comics coming or the new Moon Knight's coming out uh, soon. I can't remember the date, but they released some uh, some some preview images uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, and a couple covers, and they look fantastic. Got to um, be better than that last time he appeared in Avengers. Oh. Uh. I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. Um, or, or the last couple of uh, series. 
but uh but anyways new moon night looks great um i compared the uh cover to mm-hmm. uh one of the old school stephen platt covers Ooh. from the 90s it's got that like uh well, you know it, it's raining you know what i mean so it's all like scratchy and stuff and and stephen mm-hmm. platt was really good at that um the the cover is by steve mcniven so i mean you know it's good yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. And and I saw the preview pages. It looked really good. Uh, I hope the writing's good. That's all I'm gonna say. Now, do you want them to trudge down the the same nope storyline, or do they? Do you want a completely reinvented origin? Look, uh, the tagline is that Moon Knight is a spirit of justice, and I don't know about that. Mm. So uh, we'll see. Do you want the Crescent Copter to come back? Hell yeah. Do you want Frenchie to come back? Dude, I want all of it. Do you want Frenchie to come back? Yeah, I love Frenchie. What's wrong with Frenchie? There's nothing wrong. Why can't I ask these questions? <laughs> you know what? You go watch it in Cue Into the Storm documentary. How dare you? If you don't want questions being asked, how dare you? I, I want... Don't close off your mind to Frenchie. I love Frenchie. What's wrong with Frenchie? Look, this probably won't happen because uh, Disney owns Marvel. But I want, like, old school Moon Knight that just killed Mother Effers left and right. You know what I mean? You want and, Moon Knight to go, to go to Egypt. And then right <laughs> around a corner, you see Jasmine and Aladdin on a oh, magic carpet. Oh, oh. Hello, now, Disney. You're speaking my language. Hello, Disney. Uh, that was in Baghdad, not Egypt. Wherever. Thank you. I know my Disney. Yes, uh, what I want is for Moon Knight to go to Egypt and get sucked into uh, like a time hole <gasps> um, and be sucked back in time to, uh, to, to, to fight Apocalypse. That's what I want. And James Spader comes out. And then you realize it's a moon, moon night Stargate. <laughs> oh, see, now I have to watch Stargate tonight. Damn it. Yeah, you do. It's been so long. I haven't watched Stargate in like Jason a year. Jason Momoa peeks around the corner. He's like, I used to be here. Remember TV show, guys? Yep. No, that was Atlantis. Atlantis wasn't as good. But what was it? Stargate Atlantis. Yes, yeah, Stargate Atlantis with Jason not- Momoa. You know, you're you're very hyper. You have bl- horse blinders on. <laughs> I incorporate the entire universe. Open up your eyes, man. <laughs> Take that red pill. Open up your eyes. Uh, breaking news. I'm going to hate this comic. <laughs> the new story begins in Moon Knight number one, spinning out of the Age of Khonshu storyline that ran in Jason Aaron's ongoing Avenger series. Perfect. Mm, great. <laughs> great. That's your moon night. Did you uh, ever finish that storyline? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I think you did. No, I did. well, I may, have, one I may have partially pitched it on this show. Here's the thing. Um, I'll never pitch this to Marvel, obviously, because I'm a nobody. Greg Katzman, <laughs> you become Moon Knight number one fan. Martin Ferretti, you're number three. Listen, if Greg Casman wants to hear my pitch for Unity Dark, uh, then by all means, uh, sign me up. But, uh, you know, <laughs> for years, I've been saying that I'm going to write a comic book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, so my Moon Knight pitch, I will never pitch I, to Marvel. I read a script. Say what? I read a script. You never read a script? No, I said I even read a script. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. You did. Um, yeah, you know what? James Tinian, did you pass it to James Tinian? Because he stole some of my shit for Department of Truth. <laughs> hey, me and Jimmy, we go way back. Um, look, uh, they mentioned Nazis in Department of Truth, but uh, we haven't seen any Nazis yet. If if James Tinian steals my shit from that script that you read, I'm going to blame it on you. Look, JT and I go very far back. You know that. <laughs> Leave him out of that. You and Justin Timberlake? That too. Yeah. He, he stole my previous wife. God damn it. <laughs> um, I used to have the biggest crush on Jessica Biel back in the day. Of course day. you did. Who yeah. didn't? Mm. Red-blooded American male. Uh, that's right. But uh, what were we talking about? Moon Knight. Moon Knight! Coming soon. Yeah, spinning out of Jason Aaron. Yes, it's spinning out of the story that I fucking hate. There you go. Uh, fantastic. You're set. You're set. But, oh, I know what I was saying. Uh, I've been saying about writing this comic for years. And uh, so I started writing that one that you saw a, a partial script for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I have a, a couple of uh, interesting stories in the Valley Universe, uh, which I will also never pitch. But, uh, but two stories. So I have this Unity Dark story. Um, and then I have my Moon Knight story that I will mm. never pitch to these companies. But I mm. have this thought in the back of my mind that one day I'm going to write them as like different characters and turn mm-hmm. them into and turn them into a real book. Uh, but it'll never happen because I just don't have time for it. Oh man! Yeah. But one day. <laughs> hey, you know well, retirement's right around the corner, buddy. Oh man, I know. I, I sold all, I sold all my Dogecoin right? so I can retire now. Heck yeah. Yep. I sold and my Doge have, and I bought honey, some other shit. <laughs> you'll have honeydew lists up the wazoo. That'll take up all your writing time. Well, you know, we can talk about this next episode because we're going to wrap it up here. Um, but uh, but I, I finally decided to become an adult and I have, uh, I have taken over all our finances at the house. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, cause every time the, the whole time we've been married, my wife my wife was in charge of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the money and she paid the bills. But uh, but I, I I've gotten really into the stuff. I think you get to a point in your life where you're like, man, I'm gonna retire in like you know 25 years. Sure. Um, what am I gonna do after I retire? Right. So I've gotten like hyper focused on retirement. Um, and so I've taken over all the finances, which, uh, which I think she appreciates, but we'll talk about that next time. I'm sure she'd appreciate it for sure. I mean, I know Julie, the cruise director would love it if I stepped up and volunteered, (laughs) but I have no interest in that until she's six feet under. No, thank you. Money grows on trees and that's the way I like it. No, thank you. Um, But would I love to go into an investment counselor and for them to be like, you know, if you just socked away 5% more of your of each paycheck, mm. you could retire four years earlier. Mm-hmm. Then I would be like, oh, my God, let's make this happen. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I still have uh, 27 years before I can retire. Um, but I've come up with a plan, and I'm pretty sure I can retire in 15. 
is that is your plan i'm going to eat as much white castles as possible so i die eight years from now so let's just spend this money as quickly as possible i'm just gonna eat air fried tamales for the rest of my Mm. life (laughs) Mm. well then that means you will be passing away in about eight years i'm gonna miss you Uh, all right let's wrap it up here uh you've been listening to the nerdy podcast with nick wetmore thank you for listening uh of course, you can find us on Twitter at Nick Wetmore, at GeekFun, at Nerdy Legion. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, go buy some Cardano. This is not financial advice. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>